Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Let me encourage you to stay with me this morning. Don't make any rash decisions. Conceive some pre-sermon thoughts as we go through the text. Well, what we have before us may be the most controversial subject in all of the Bible. Many know that spirit feel highly educated more than I. Scholars disagree on Paul's purpose and the content of this letter found in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 17. But there are three things that I want you to keep in mind. Again, don't, don't leave me here. Stick with me now. That the average reader must keep in mind if we are to gain any spiritual value or insight from this passage. The first thing is keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> Which is this text is about Church order doing worship. Church order doing worship is not about sin or immorality. Number two, cultural consideration is a must. You got to apply them to this text. And number three, the focus on this passage is about Authority and subjection, not about superiority or inferiority. Y'all got that? Now, if you need to write them down, write them down. If you don't, I'll give you my notes later, but I want you to get those three points. Again, stick with me in this one now. And ladies, when, when, when you get an opportunity to, to say preach pastor, it's your time. Because you ain't going to get this too many other times. But men, if there's something in here that you can say, preach pastor, do I need to say any more? Historical background of this text, we find Paul writes this letter to the church of Corinth in response to several concerns that the leaders of the church at Corinth had. They asked Paul to dress several inches. Uh, it was a mixed congregation of Jews and mostly Gentiles who find it difficult to blend their diverse culture background into their new found Christian faith. Thus it became extremely difficult doing public worship, especially among the women. So Paul writes in chapter 11 to address the role of women in worship, which is recorded in the uh, Verse 1 through 17. Diverse group. Jewish women were taught from birth to follow a rigid guideline of male authority. Jewish women had no problem with that. 
They were not involved in public worship with the men. It was no big deal for them. That was the way they raised. On the other hand, the Gentile women were not restricted by their male counterpart. And often took active roles and parts in worshiping their heathen God. In fact, one of the issues that Paul had to deal with is called when the women were called priestess and they were in the temple of the heathen gods to provide sexual favor for all that came by. So for the most part, the Gentile women felt free to do what they wanted to do without male sanction or approval. But both classes of these women wore headdress or headwear, but not always for the same reason. Y'all stay with me now again. Jewish women wore them as a sign of submission to their father or their husband. More on that later. But the same may have been true for some of the Gentile women, but that probably had to do with an age factor. The younger Gentile women would wear a veil like the Jewish women when they were unmarried to show a sign that they were still virgins. But the older women also wore some type of headwear or dress, but it was basically for fashion. They wanted to look good. Ain't nothing changed. <laughs> Nevertheless, Christianity changed both cultures. You see, being in the body of Christ allowed the women to participate now in public worship. So can you imagine, think with now, all, all these women coming together, but when the Jewish women saw the Gentile women taking off their head covering, some of the Jewish women began to follow suit. This became of great concern for some men. What would this attitude lead to? How far would this women movement go? It was these type of questions that motivated the leaders to bring the issue to Paul. Because it began to threaten to divide the church. Now let me make note. Again, this is one thing I said, don't, don't lose me here. I want you to understand this. The Bible does not make a distinction between men and women in the area of personal worth. Intellect and spirituality. Y'all got that? Thank you for putting it up there, yet. Bible don't make no difference there. But, y'all hear that? But, the woman's function is unique in God's authoritative order. Nobody throwing tomatoes at me yet? Uh, uh, keep in mind, like I told Nita this morning, I'm going to be in the Word. Y'all quiet on me? Okay, to get a better understanding of, of, of what, what I'm saying when I say God, woman's function is unique in God's authority or I want you to review with me because we got to view this, we got to go back. We got to go back and look at Genesis. How did this all come about? Most of you already, if you were here early on in, 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 in the month, you heard me preach about how sin came into Adam's in the side letting his wife talk with the serpent. All, all that's been said, but I want, want you to follow this in Genesis 
3.16, because when God began to deal with them, remember now, he dealt with the woman shorter than anybody. But he did say this in Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. For your desire shall be contrary, somebody say contrary, to your husband. Now stop right there a minute. Because this means contrary means you ain't going to always agree. In fact, most of the time you ain't going to agree. What a woman wants ain't going to normally be what the man wants. Your desires in you are going to be contrary to your husband. Now, give an example. My wife and I have never agreed on how to dress our son when he was coming up as a little boy. <laughs> I have a picture in our album of him in some little cute jumpsuit out in the yard. And she didn't want him to get dirty. And I kept telling him, he's a boy. Put him on some jeans and let him get out of the mud. We will always be contrary on that. <laughs> but let's read the rest of the script in verse 16. But he shall rule. I ain't going to even say it. I want y'all to say it. Read the scripture. He shall rule. I thought I'd get a lot more from Mary on that one. But I know who it is. Y'all scared. Because y'all got to go home, don't you? <laughs> Paul understood that the issue was going to be censored. So before he addressed this controversial problem directly in chapter 11, he wrote something in chapter 10 that should help us today understand the importance of his point. And please, you know, out of all the things that we're saying here, I want to get serious just for a minute because I want you to look at me at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Now, while Paul is addressing uh, concerns about dietary restriction, the principle is what's important here. Ladies, being in Christ means that you are free from condemnation. However, if that freedom is expressed, in a manner that does not build the body of Christ, it don't have no spiritual benefit. Y'all keep this in mind now. If it's all things are lawful, now everything's expedient, as King James said. So wherever your freedom may be, if it don't build up the body of Christ, it has no spiritual benefit. And this applies to what he's going to say in chapter 11. Let's go back to chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a, of a wife 
is her husband. And head of Christ is God. The Hebrew word translated head. Kephala. Is used as a symbol of strength, leadership, but most importantly, authority. Paul identifies God's order of authority and submission. Now, subordination does not suggest inferiority. I want you to think about that because notice what it says here. It says, it says that head of Christ is God. Christ is not inferior to God. But as God in the flesh, the God man, he willingly submitted to the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. The scripture said, not as I will, but as your will. So likewise, a man should willingly submit to Christ. And the wife should willingly submit to her husband. Husband, if she ain't doing it willingly, you are wasting your time trying to make her too. You may as well just leave it alone. Because she's contrary. Somebody going to get there in a minute. Paul did apply this to public worship. And I want y'all to follow this too because this is important. Verse 4. Every man who prays or prophesies, we're praying and prophesying. These are church activities. Praying is communicating with God. Prophesying is ministering. Do preaching or teaching. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonor his head. Now, no one is sure what type of head covering Paul is speaking of. The belief goes from something that's a full hood to come all the way down to your neck to a little old beanie that's on your head. But the point is this. Since head covering is a symbol of submission to authority, wearing one for the man will be an outward sign that he is subordinate to some human authority. So when he worshiped God, he was not supposed to do it. In other words, when you come here, I am not authority over you as far as worship goes. Because I'm a man, just like everybody else, and I'm human. But it appeared to be that fact, especially for the Jews who were coming up under the priesthood, that they felt like they couldn't worship unless a priest was there. So for a man to have his head cut was said that, some other man is over me. Now look at verse 5 with me. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonor her head. Since, it's the, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. I'm going to address this a little later. But I want you to hold that point. But every wife. The English Standard Version uses this word wife where the King James says woman. But in the context of the scripture, the Hebrew word means a woman who is married. An unmarried woman, head would be her father or some father figure. For some of you may have noticed that whenever the ladies minister here, who are all gifted, who come and speak, will always be escorted by their husband, like K and B when you come here. 
But you also may notice that when Benita speaking, I exclude her. As her pastor, I'm a father figure. The show that she has my approval to be able to minister in the pulpit. So what, what, what it's basically saying, to have that sign not on your head would be a, saying, a sign of saying, I don't give a done. I don't care nothing about no man. Not to do so would be viewed as shameful and disrespect of a husband or a father or a father figure. Now, you have to keep one thing in mind. Male authority meant more than anything else, Brother Jeff, to protect. That was his responsibility, to protect and provide. In other words, when she walked out with her head covered, she was saying, I ain't no loose woman. I got a man somewhere that got my back, so you better watch out. Verse 6, for if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is a disgrace for a wife to cut her hair or to be shaven or shave her head, let her cover her head. Remember we talked about the three things? And number two, would you have to put a cultural consideration in this? Keep in mind the culture. Let, let me give you a little, little history of this. Two classes of women. Only two classes of women will ever walk around with short hair or their head shaven. The first one was a prostitute. The second one was a prisoner of war. Now normally, the prostitute, when they catch her, they just get some scissors and cut her hair off. But if it was a prisoner of war, they would actually take time to shave her as bald as she could be. Now, what's the point? The point was to make her look unfeminine. The whole point was to make her not look like a female. And for a prisoner of war, she was out there fighting. We're going to treat her just like a man. So we want her to look just like a man. In that culture, it was very shameful. That may not be the same for today's culture. In that culture, it was very shameful. So he was telling, if you're going to worship without honoring your male authority, you ain't no better than a prostitute or a prisoner of war. Is anybody here still with me? Show was a low amen. <laughs> Verse 7, for, if a man ought, for a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But a woman is the glory of a man. For a man was not made for a woman, but the woman for a man. Paul reminds his readers that man was made in direct image of God. The word glory implies dignity and associated with one's reputation and respect. Therefore, in worship, a man should reveal the glory of God by not showing he was under any human subordination. But when a woman covered her head during worship, it was a sign that she honored and respected her husband's authority. 
not to do so was a sign of disrespect. The wife head covering was then given to her as a high, glorious position. They were proud to wear them. It was a symbol that she honored her husband or her father or the male authority in her household who protect and provide for her. And this point was so important that Paul repeated this point to support the custom of that day. Verse 9. Neither or neither was a man created for the woman but the woman for man. Paul was reminding his readers of God creative purpose for humanity. He was talking about the origin and the purpose. God created the woman from the rib of a man, which defined her purpose as a helper and companion. Man did not come from the woman, nor was he created for the woman. Y'all ready, ladies? Are you ready? But the woman was not created to please the man. Y'all evidently didn't get that. I didn't hear a whole about preach past on that one. The woman was not created to please the man. She was created to assist the man in fulfilling his God-given divine plan. You see, the man can do nothing without the woman. Still can't. Man could not fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply by himself. So God gave him the woman for that purpose. So the creation of a woman was to fill, fulfill a void that the man could not fill himself. She was given the high honor of procreation. That's creating with God. You see, human life is formed in her, and human life comes forth from her. Thus, every man should esteem the woman, whether married or otherwise, very highly. Very highly. A man that degrades a woman degrades his own manhood. Anytime a man puts his hand on a woman, it's a sign that he is a weak man who fears. You've got God-given authority. You don't need your physical strength. Verse 10. That's why, or this is why, a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel. Now, hold on with this now. King James Version reads, that's why a woman ought to have power over her head. This word is exousia, where we get the word executive from. It means a symbol of authority, as the English Standard Version has translated It's used to signify legitimate right. In this context, it implies delegation of jurisdiction. 
In other words, you have authority over this particular jurisdiction. You want to know what that jurisdiction is? The home and the church. I know a lot of people don't like that. Let's go ahead and deal with this other controversy issue because of the angels. The minority view here is that these are fallen angels which lost their high position when they took Satan's advice and rebelled in heaven and was kicked out. The reason that they were kicked out because they denied God's authority. In Ezekiel, you read Satan saying as Lucifer, I will do this, I will do that, I will do that. So now when they see what's going on, they can look to God and accuse him, well, look, you kicked us out of heaven for not being on your authority. What are you going to do with that woman who's not on God's authority? That's a minority view. The majority view is that these are elect angels who witnessed God when he created the heaven and earth, but they also witnessed the fall and how God restored them. Some of these angels are assigned to every human that's born to ensure God's plan of redemption is carried out. And these select angels can't understand grace. They look at the fallen angels too. You were gracious to them. So when they see us doing things that we ought not to do, these elect angels become disturbed and confused because of God's grace. Why, he was so merciful to them. And they created Lord in us. So to keep them becoming confused and disturbed, Paul suggests, ladies, put something on your head as a sign of submission and authority. Let me go ahead and hit this point. It ain't about the head covering. It's about the, the, the authority and submission. Because I know a whole bunch of women that have head covering. And they ain't submissive to nobody. I know a whole bunch of people that don't wear anything on their head. And they're just as submissive as they can. So it ain't about the head covering. It's about submission of a man's God-given authority. <laughs> but Paul didn't want his readers to miss the main point. He knew it was probably some people were going to say, a man is superior to a woman. So in verse 11, he says this, nevertheless, in the Lord. Nevertheless, in the Lord. Y'all getting the in the Lord. Woman is not independent of a man, nor the man independent of the woman. Verse 12 says, For as a woman was made from the man, so man is now born of the woman. All things are from God. Paul stressed that the man and the woman are mutually related to each other. They complement each other to bring glory to God. 
And to clear it up any further, he says in verse 13, judge yourself. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, is the grace to him, but if a woman wear long hair, is her glory. For her hair is given to her as a cover. I'm going to come back to that, but let me deal with this word judge. It means to, to, to really to decide. It said decide considering the evidence. And he gives the evidence from nature. Now I want, want y'all to think about this. I know Nicole and maybe some of the other people that got medical background really understand this better than I can. Genetically, there are two homosomes. One predominantly in female, the other predominantly in male. Anybody know what they are? What's, what's the, what's the male is testosterone? Testosterone. Okay, testosterone. And what about one female? Y'all, y'all got them. I forgot Ron got nursing background too. That's right. Okay. Now, testosterone is good for bone, bone mass, muscle building, strength, facial hair, and gives us deeper voice. While estrogen is important in reproduction development, increased breast size, and hair, head hair. Growth. Hmm. There's some points in here you don't want to miss. What Paul is talking about is a physical distinction between sexes. A clear recognition of those roles Uh, let me put it again. In other words, Paul is saying in his day, you could walk down the street and you could tell a man from a woman. Now, I know our culture has changed because I, I know I've seen some women ain't got no hair on their head, but they still look feminine. It's just something about them that look feminine. And I know some men that got I don't want to go there. <laughs> but Paul and Bailey said there ought to be a difference. I mean, I know, I, 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 I shared this with some people when in the military in California, and this is before I was married and unsaved, I saw this figure and I said, whoa, look at that. And me and my military buddy on our way to Formosa, we followed this shapely woman we thought for three blocks. And when we finally caught up with it, it turned around and had more facial hair than I did. And I'm saying that in the church, without y'all wearing all these tight and short stuff, there ought to be some way that a man can tell that's a woman and a woman can tell that's a man. Paul concluded by saying this. And for all the critics, 
Don't miss this. If anyone, verse 16, is inclined to be contentious, thank you for highlighting that. We have no such practice. King James says customs, nor do the churches of God. Word contention means to be quarrelsome. In other words, if anyone wants to argue or have a dispute about this issue of headdress, it's not worth it. Ain't no sense in arguing about it. It's not worth splitting the church over. Amen? Amen. So of all I said about this headdress and hair and all that stuff, whatever your opinion is, it ain't worth splitting the church over. It ain't worth getting up mad and going trying to find you another church. It just ain't worth it. Final thoughts. I think I had done a message or a lesson once before on this subject about man being the head of the household. Head woman of one of the women that says, Pastor, I agree that the man is the head of the household, but I'm the neck that turned the head. And that's okay. That's okay. But you need to know how to turn your head. Now I'm talking about all you that ain't married. There's some man in your life. You need to know how to turn your head. Can I give you some points and we're going to go home? Number one, turn your head and not some other woman's head. Oh, I think y'all missed that one. Second, turn your head toward the things of God. Third, turn your head toward the freedom of worship and praise in public. Turn your head toward raising his children in a godly manner. Turn your head to becoming the high priest of his own. Turn your head toward coming to church on time. Turn your head toward the salvation of God. But hear me now, ladies. You can't turn your head until you turn. I'm through. Let's stand. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.